Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We are up to episode 201. So you may have tuned in a couple of days ago for our 200th episode. I sort of recapped the lessons that I've learned in hosting this show. I've done nearly 200 interviews with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and those people who just have that entrepreneurial spirit. And a lot of things sort of have bubbled to the top that people have in common who are successfully out there navigating their own careers, whether they have their own business, whether they're growing a large company, or even those who are employees inside businesses who are actively just trying to make sure that they're doing the best job that they can. So go back and listen to episode 200. I think you'll really enjoy hearing some of the advice that I've picked up from having the honor of being the host of this show over time. So today I wanted to take just a short episode. This one's going to be a little less than normal. I wanted to take some time to talk about something that's been kind of really prevalent in my life the last few months, and people have picked up on it who listen to the show because I've mentioned it, people who know me have noticed it, and that is that I've lost 25 pounds since February of 2016. So in just over six months, I have gone from uh, a little bit doughy, if you will, to a little bit more lean, but the real thing is is that I also changed my diet and I took up an exercise routine that is way out of the ordinary for me. So... I always do something every year for Lent. I I grew up Catholic, and I believe that uh, the idea of giving something up for Lent is a good exercise, and I've always done something somewhat militant. I've always been very committed to taking something on, and over the years, I've I've given up drinking. I've given up caffeine. Uh, I went vegan one year for Lent, and and that was a very interesting experience to go that whole 40-plus day period without touching any meat or dairy. Uh, I've done all kinds of things like that. One year, I joined a boot camp. Instead of giving something up, I actually joined a fitness boot camp, and I wasn't really in the best of shape before or even after it, but it was a hard thing to do, and I kept it up a couple of days a week during that whole process. So this year, I decided that I would cut out, not entirely, but but seriously, seriously cut back my intake of sugar and of wheat, and so I essentially gave up all processed sugar and all bread and pasta. And I will tell you, I have a huge sweet tooth. I would eat things that were sweet all day long. Most of my Starbucks drinks, if they didn't come with sugar, got sugar added, although normally I was getting the mocha or the vanilla latte or something that was coming uh, with a lot of caramel added to it. So I was eating a lot of processed sugar. And while I didn't eat like too much pasta, when I would sit down and eat pasta, I could eat pasta. Uh, those those never-ending pasta bowl type things they advertise at restaurants, that was never a problem for me. The end was way, way down the line. But my real weakness was bread. I like really good bread. And so I would eat sandwiches all the time. And if I needed a snack in the middle of the day, I would eat peanut butter and jelly on bread, which meant that I was just putting a lot of sugar onto bread and then eating that bread. And God forbid you'd take me to a steakhouse, that really good French or Italian bread that they serve with the really good butter, I could eat a loaf or two all by myself. And then I wondered why I struggled with my weight a little bit. So this year for Lent, I cut out 
processed sugar, I only allowed myself to have 15 grams per day if it came in a box, a can, a bottle, or a bag. Now, I want to tell you something interesting. Go take a look at most of the packaged goods in your pantry. 15 grams of sugar was almost nothing. I had to give up almost everything that came in a bag or a can or a bottle. Even the uh, smoothie juices, like the... um, the ones you buy sort of in the refrigerator case that are just, you know, fruit juice and all that. I, I looked at those and some of them were like 40 grams of sugar, stuff that I was drinking every day. And, you know, I'd be in an airport and I'd grab one of those. Well, I couldn't do that during Lent. Uh, I also, uh, the power bars that I carried in my bag because I'm on airplanes a lot. And sometimes if you have a delay, you can get hungry and they don't really have food on the airplanes. So I would carry a power bar type situation with me. And they were 35 grams of sugar in the power bars. So I had to either like just take a bite or I had to find a new brand. And I ended up finding a new brand that had zero grams of sugar. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The flavor in these zero grams of sugar, yeah, not nearly as good as the ones that have 40 or 50 grams of sugar in them. However, that was my commitment and it was only going to be for a month and a half. I could do that. So I gave up the sugar. uh, I gave up wheat and wheat-related products. And almost immediately into Lent, I started losing like a pound a week, uh, maybe more than that. I think I lost in the, in the 45 days or whatever Lent works out to be, I think I lost something like 10 or 12 pounds. And I was kind of blown away by that was really all I had done was just cut out the sugar and the wheat. And I was eating more vegetables. I was eating more meat. Uh, I was eating cheese and I was losing weight. So I was really excited by that. So when Lent ended, I decided not to do my typical Easter binge. I mean, when I went vegan, I ate like 40 pounds of bacon in the next three days. And I decided not to to go into a sugar and wheat coma this time. And I decided I would keep it up. And around the same time, my oldest daughter, who was away at college, decided that she got some idea that she wanted to try and run a half marathon. Now, she's not a runner. She's not. She's on a sports team, but it's a, she plays ultimate frisbee. It's not long distance running. And so she'd never really run long distances. She doesn't like running long distances. So she decided that she wanted to take on this effort, but didn't want to necessarily do it alone. So she asked me if I would train with her with the intention that we could train together over the summer. And then in the fall, uh, as we were going to look to maybe do a January or February half marathon, she could, you know, we could kind of keep each other from a distance, you know, as a training partner, making sure that we went out and trained. Well, I was about to turn 50 years old. And I got to tell you, I've never been a runner. I mean, more than a quarter or a half mile and my legs would hurt. And I have a family history of bad knees. And I was carrying around some extra, you know, 25 pounds extra weight that I didn't need to be carrying around. This idea of running, you know, 13 miles was not really something that excited me. But I told her I would look into it. And so I started doing some research. And it said that if you some of the research that I found said if you could comfortably run three miles, you could train to do a marathon, much less a half marathon. And I thought, well, three miles, maybe I could get up to running three miles. So I decided that I would try. I didn't make a commitment, but I thought I would try. And so I bought some really good running shoes and I went out and the first day I ran like, I don't know, a little less than half a mile and my legs hurt and I couldn't breathe. And I was thinking, this isn't very good. And the next day I ran about the same amount of time and I just kept pushing myself through it. And all of a sudden I was running a mile fairly easily. And next thing I knew it was two miles. And then I made the commitment that I would do this. I was going to run this half marathon with her. And by the time she got home for summer, she had changed her mind. But once June rolled around, I was running two and a half miles 
almost every day, either on the treadmill at the gym or because I travel a lot through the cities where I was visiting and it actually found it fun to go on a two and a half mile run through downtown Charleston or through Orlando or wherever I would happen to be. And so all of a sudden, I started pushing myself a little more. And now I'm commonly running three and a half to five miles, you know, four or five days a week, if not six days a week. Although usually I try to take uh, two days off. And if I do run uh, in between there, I try to just do a short run. But I have gotten really into this running. And I was actually interviewed on a podcast, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago called the Runified Podcast. That's R-U-N-I-F-E-D, Runified. And they interview professional runners. But the host, Matt Sorensen, he decided that because I was 50 years old and taking up running for the first time and somebody who who outwardly hated running, he thought maybe this would make a great story. So he interviewed me for the podcast. And on the podcast, one of the things he asked me was, do you consider yourself a runner? And I was like, no. I mean, I like pushed back, like, how dare you ask such a thing? No, I'm not, not me. No way am I a runner. And recently... I had a day where I couldn't get out and run and I I was feeling bad about it. And I actually found a way to fit it into my schedule. And I actually went for like a two and a half mile run. And I realized that, oh my gosh, somewhere along the line, I became a runner. And it really had to do with just doing it. I mean, just committing to getting out there and pushing myself just a little farther every day and just a little farther every day and, and then watching what I was eating. Well, during Lent, I had lost about 10 pounds Over the next four months, I've lost another 15 pounds. I stepped on the scale the other day, and I weigh exactly 25 pounds less than I did in February. I've had to buy new clothes. I had to get all my suits altered. And to be honest with you, I probably have to go out and buy new suits because I've lost weight again since I had them altered. And they probably are baggy as it is. Um, I've had to go out and buy new shirts. I was wearing extra large t-shirts and and polo shirts, and all of them looked like they were falling off of me. So I had to go out and buy new clothes. I went out and bought new jeans and new khakis only to find out that I wasn't done, you know, getting into the best shape that I could. Now I had to go out and buy some yet again. And I don't like to spend money, so that really made me mad, but it was one of those things. I'm, I'm now at a weight that is almost what I weighed when I got married 25 years ago. I'm only a few pounds more than I weighed when I was in college, and I actually feel fantastic. And so this has been coming up. People have been asking me about this transition, like how does somebody who is not an athlete, who is a professional couch sitter, how does somebody like that actually take up running at 50? And so I thought I would share this story with those of you who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do, because one of the things that comes up a lot when I talk to entrepreneurs is fitness. And there's two schools of this in the world of business. And there are people who believe that the best entrepreneurs are very committed to being their top performer everywhere they can. And these people are really fit. And then there's people who say that, hey, I'm so into my business. I make bad choices when it comes to exercise and food. And some of these great entrepreneurs aren't as fit as they can. And I'll tell you, I fell into that camp for a long time. I was more interested in getting stuff done, getting my books written, doing things than I ever was about being in shape. And yet, in the last six months, I have gone through this metamorphosis. Now, I'm not saying that you want to see me with my shirt off, that you're going to go, ooh, look at him. But the difference between six months ago and now is very noticeable. And what I'm finding is, is that It's really noticeable also in the fact that I'm thinking clearer, I feel better, I'm sleeping better, I have more energy, and it is so easy for me 
to make healthy choices now, where six months or a year ago, I was diving into the pizza, and by the way, I was going to follow that up with cobbler or a brownie or whatever, where now I'm trying to make choices. If I have to nibble on something, the question is, is does it have sugar or wheat? Well, if it does, I'm not going to choose that. So I've actually got this recipe that is almond butter protein bars or balls, and it's almond butter, and it's a little bit of honey, not very much, because honey is normally something I steer away from because it's very high in sugar. Albeit natural sugar, I still try to get away from anything that has that level of sweetness to it. Although, I will be honest, I eat fruit like there's no tomorrow. I don't care if it's strawberries. I don't care if it's raspberries. I don't worry about what's in anything that's really that natural. Uh, And these protein balls have a couple of chocolate chips in them, but not enough to make a difference. But when I eat them, I know that I'm getting protein. They've got some protein powder in them too, but also from the almonds. I'm getting protein and I'm not scarfing on them. I'm eating like a couple of them a day, and they're about the size of a quarter. And so, therefore, it's a healthier choice than eating a row of Oreos. Now, some of you are thinking, eating a row of Oreos? And others are going, oh, yeah, I can do that. I was the guy who could do that. So I wanted to share this story because I'm kind of amazed when I look in the mirror, when I look at the clothes I've had to buy. I'm kind of amazed that I have been able to make this metamorphosis. And then I start thinking about how does this really impact business? Well, it's the same thing that I've been actively trying to do with my business and that I work with other people to do in their business, and that is do small things consistently, and you're going to see the results. If you listen to the show, you know I've gotten very focused on the whole idea of outbound sales because you cannot rest on just your reputation and your brand and your network all the time. While I think those things are important, And my whole business has been based on referrals, so those things work. I also believe that you have to be taking the bull by the horns and actually steering it where you want it to go. And that means if you're running a small business, you have to be focused on sales. And really, the business development effort, the sales effort, isn't really that different than learning to run when you're 50 years old. If I'm going to actually continue to keep the weight off and to be able to train to do this half marathon, because the farthest I've ever run to date is six miles. Now, I was really proud of myself. It was only a couple weeks ago. I went out for a five-mile run. At the end of five miles, I thought, I can go farther, and I pushed myself that extra mile. Now I'm ready to try and do seven miles, which will put me well into the halfway point for that half marathon. But I have to start getting focused on having a routine of what I'm going to do, and there's actually different programs online that... Once I'm now running this far, I can start alternating how far I go and when I push myself and what days of the week I do things. The same exact thing is true for growing your business. You have to be focused and motivated. So recently I've gotten into this whole thing that the first 90 minutes of my day is all sales oriented, whether it is cold calling or cold emailing people and letting them know that I exist out there. And let's face it, cold calls don't work very well. Most people delete those emails. Most people delete those voicemails, and they certainly don't answer the phone very often. However, every now and then I hit the right person at the right time. So I still believe I have to do that. Then also in that first hour and a half, it's following up with old clients. It's calling people who have talked to me where it's still sort of pending out there. And so I make sure that whatever I do the first 90 minutes of my workday, I'm just pushing myself a little farther. It's the same thing that I do with my diet and with my exercise is I make sure that I'm making those choices and I'm getting out there and getting to the gym or that I'm not eating too much, that I'm not drinking too much, and that I'm staying away from all that sugar and that wheat. And so it really does tie in to your business. 
So think for a minute. If you're a regular listener to the show, my assumption is, is that you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, solopreneur, or you're somebody who in the back of your mind thinks, I want to go do that. I want to leave corporate America because we talk about that a lot when we interview people is how did you make the leap from corporate America into your own job? And I know that a lot of the people who listen to this show in the back of your mind, that's what you're thinking you want to do. Well, if you're in any of those types of roles or you want to be, this is one of the things you have to do is you just have to take the action and you have to get yourself into a routine where taking the action becomes the norm. And I will tell you, knowing the sweet tooth that I have had since I was three years old, knowing that sweet tooth and knowing how much I will graze on cookies and cakes and ice cream, I had to be committed to changing my mindset of what I was going to do when those things were around because those things are still in the house. I have a 14-year-old daughter who lives in the house who likes to have an Oreo from time to time. So guess what? There's Oreos in my house. Now, I was the guy who could clear-cut that whole row. Now, I just walk by and I, I go have a, an almond protein ball. And I'm very content with it because I've made a commitment. My mindset has shifted of what I'm trying to accomplish. And I've seen the results. And that's exactly where you need to go with your business. You need to realize that this is a long-term focus. So I'm only six months into the running and six months into the weight loss. But I know that in six more months, I'm going to be exactly where I want to be. And that is I'm able to run that half marathon and I'm in the best shape of my life. I'll let you know a secret. I'm already in the best shape of my life. At 18, I couldn't run six miles. So I am already doing more than I've ever done before. And I'm seeing that correlation to my business. So I've been running my own business for seven years and I've had a lot of success. And people are like, well, what made you get so hungry again? Well, I'll tell you what, I want to do more with it. I'm not happy with the level that I've reached. I, I want to push it a little bit farther. Interviewing people for this show just gets me excited because I see people who are out there actually doing it and they're making the choices to grow their business. And so both of these things that I'm doing, both on the business side and the health side, are really intricately connected. So I wanted to share this with you because I know a lot of you struggle with the fact that you're stuck in whatever routines that you're stuck in. And it might be business, it might be personal, it might be health, but you're stuck in those routines. I am here to tell you that if you want to, you can make a difference. You can change. And there's a lot of information out there on the internet of how to go out about and do it. But I'll tell you what, I didn't have some guru help me. I didn't have some plan of how I was going to you know, lose 25 pounds and get in better shape or how I was going to grow my business before the end of the year. I just sat down and started taking action. So I'm going to challenge you. If you've listened to this podcast now for 18 minutes and you're with me at this point, you might be thinking, yes, I want to do something. So whether you're running, walking, sitting at your computer, or you're driving in your car, if you're driving in your car, don't close your eyes. But in either of the other cases, close your eyes, and I want you to think for just a minute, what is it I want to transform? Is it my career? Is it my relationships? Is it my health? Do I want to run? Do I want to eat better? Just pick one thing. Decide what it is. And then from this point forward, you now know what the goal is. So let's say that it is you want to lose 25 pounds. That's your goal. Every time you have to make a choice that's around exercise or food, ask yourself, does this take me closer to the goal or farther from the goal? Now for me, the eating stuff I had to do during Lent, I had to make it an all or nothing. Now, 
I cheated a little bit. I had a little piece of cake here and there. Not even a piece, but a bite. So yeah, there was wheat and sugar in there. But I tried to limit, essentially, most wheat and most flour. And if I was good at that throughout every single day, the results were going to come. So I had to go to an almost absolute. For you, it might not have to be quite that drastic. But if you decide I'm going to cut back and I'm going to make these choices, then every time a choice comes up, say, is this leading me closer to the goal or farther from the goal? So I talk a lot with people who I work with about goal setting. I think that having written goals that you're trying to achieve, I think that it really does make a difference. And the reason for that is that I think a goal makes it so easy to make the hard decisions. So if you have a hard decision, like, am I going to eat this piece of caramel? So those of you who listened to episode 199, the guy owned Jones Caramels. Now, I'm going to give a huge plug here, especially if you listen to that episode. Go to jonescaramels.com is what I think it is. I don't have it in front of me, but I'll put it in the show notes. Go to Joan, J-O-A-N-S, Caramel, and order a whole bunch of these things, especially if you're still eating sugar, because they're freaking delicious. So he told me when I interviewed him that he was going to send me a box of these handmade caramels. And sure enough, 48 hours later, a box arrived, and it had the caramels in it. Well, a year ago, I think there was like 12 or 15 of these handmade caramels in this box. A year ago, those would have been gone. My wife and I split one yesterday, and I ate a third of one today. That's all I could allow myself to have because it was easy with my goal of not slipping backwards on my diet. I couldn't eat the whole thing, and I certainly couldn't eat six of them. But a year ago, it would have been hard to make that decision. So having the goal, having what you're working on in front of you makes it really easy when you're faced with a choice. So my choice was eat all of these, which are some of the best caramels, and I love caramel, some of the best caramels I've ever had in my life. I could eat them all. Or I could just take a little bite every day, knowing that it was just a tiny bit of sugar. Because what's a caramel but cooked sugar? Makes it really easy to make that decision because I have that goal. Same thing is true with what I'm trying to do with my prospecting and my sales orientation for my business. Every single morning for 90 minutes, I do nothing else. It's easy to make the decision of what am I going to do? Sure, could I answer email? Could I surf through Facebook? Could I go onto Twitter? I could do all those things. But if it's not a direct outbound sales activity, then I can't do it for 90 minutes. Makes it really easy to answer those tough choices. So, That's my two cents about what I've been through the past six months. I'm really excited about where my business is going. I'm really excited to be 50 years old and becoming a runner for the first time in my life. And I'm really excited that I'm eating healthier because I will tell you, I feel the difference. I feel it in every aspect of my life. And I'm starting, I'm starting to feel real excited again. I I shared with some of you that earlier this year, back in January, I realized I was kind of just sad about stuff. Maybe things weren't going my way. I was a little bit depressed and While I can't say that's entirely gone, I can tell you that my food choices and my exercise and my activities in my business have really got my attitude spun around. But none of it could have happened if I didn't have the goals, I didn't have the commitment, and I didn't take the action. So before I sign off, I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. As always, I've got to thank Podfly Productions because you see this episode is brought to you by Podfly. They take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. And Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. And I know some of you want to start a podcast. More and more people are starting podcasts. One would think by now the podcast world would be 
overpopulated, but people still want to do it. Well, if you want to do it and you want to do it right, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things because they have a special offer for the listeners of this show. And they are the best vendor I've just about ever worked with in my life. So they're fantastic. Hey, I so appreciate the people who listen to this show. And you know, I would love for you to join the Cool Things Project. If you feel a little tinge of motivation that you want to do something, you probably need to have a group who you can turn to and say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish, who are going to ask you before our next call, what are you going to do? Who are going to encourage you to go over to our Facebook page and log on and share what actions you've taken. I started the Cool Things Project because I wanted to have a way for people who listen to this show to get a little bit more. I don't charge a lot for this. It's $595 for six months, but we meet almost every Monday night. Every now and then if I'm traveling, we have to postpone it, but we do try to meet every single week. And only a handful of people come every time, but everybody gets a chance to share what they're working on, what they're trying to accomplish in their business. And then you have a group, sort of a little board of directors who's holding you accountable for what you want to do the following week. And I'll tell you, I started it and I'm the one I think who's getting the most value out of it because I'm there every week and I'm always listening to what people are trying to accomplish and it's inspiring me and it makes me go out and do the things that we've all agreed that we're going to accomplish. If this sounds enticing, go over to TomSinger.com, go to the About button, pull it down, and you'll find a, a click-through a click through for the Group Coaching Program. And that's a, that's a great way to find a group of people who can really hold you accountable so that you can move forward. So that in six months, you can say, wow, look at all I've accomplished. I'm proud of myself, too, because that's the way I feel. I'm proud of myself for what I've accomplished. Uh, the other thing, if you want individual coaching, contact me directly. I don't do a lot of that, but for the right people, I might be able to be the right solution. So what do you want to accomplish? In six months, what would make you really proud in your personal life, in your business life, with your health, with your well-being, what do you need to do? You're not alone. We're here to help. Whether you join our group or you just listen to the podcast or you find your own group or you start your own group, you can do this. So I hope today's episode was somewhat interesting and a little bit exciting and maybe somewhat motivational. I'm going to be back in a couple of days with a great interview. In fact, you want to tune in to episode 202 because we're going international. I've got one of the leading people in the world of events and meetings all the way from Switzerland who is talking to us about event design and what you can do to make your events better and how he created from went from the hotel industry to being a consultant and a speaker in the world of events and is really changing the way uh, events are put on so that people who attend are having much better experience. His event design and his event canvas product are really taking the world by storm and he's having a real impact. So please tune in to the next episode episode 202, because we've got something really interesting and you're really, really going to enjoy that. Hey, I said this episode was going to be shorter than most. Guess what? It's the regular length. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for staying with us. Jump over to the Facebook page or send us a tweet on Twitter. I love it when people leave reviews on, on iTunes. My gosh, it makes my whole day brighter. So go on out there and do one of those things and come back and listen to the next episode. But in the meantime, get out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. Tom 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.